Am I first? <laughs> did, I, did I actually beat Dale here? <laughs> I won! <laughs> go me, go me, go me, go me. I'm the king of the world! <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you kind of interrupted happy time. <laughs> uh, 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 Doug rules, Dale drools. Okay, I'm good. Let's get started then, Doug. Okay. This week, we're going to be talking about sharing the gospel. Hmm. Now, sharing the gospel for believers is an incredibly powerful thing. It gives us the ability to impact not only the people we're witnessing to, but the people they will witness to, and the people they will witness to. It creates this exponential growth curve of evangelism. It's amazing. Now, to put it in simpler terms, though, sharing the gospel is kind of like our superpower. Does that make sense? Do you have any questions so far? Yeah, just one. Um, why do they make lemon juice with artificial flavor, but they make dishwashing liquid with real lemons? <laughs> Doug, our time together is so unique. <laughs> I think so too, buddy. <laughs> you know, it does make you wonder, though. Does make me wonder. <clears throat> so uh, let's let's get back to uh, sharing the gospel. Right. Okay. Um, sharing the gospel can be kind of intimidating at first, mm. but I have an approach which seems to be really effective. Okay. It involves using a probing question to get going some really deep, meaningful com com commentary with the person. All right. I think you'll find it really useful. I'm going to do some dry runs. I will give you some probing questions, and you just respond as maybe any non-believer might respond. Okay. And you'll see pretty quickly how effective this can be. All right. Go ahead and hit me with them. I'm ready. All right. First, do you know the condition of your soul? Oh, gross. Oh, how did you do that? Never mind. Never mind. Oh. Try a different one. Um, okay. How about this? Have you found Jesus? Why, is he lost? No, he... Okay, okay. We'll do a different one. Um, how about this? You need to give your heart to Jesus. <laughs> I gotta tell you, Dale, I'm kind of using it right now. <laughs> hey, can I give him my spleen instead? Yeah, fine. That's, that's fine. Okay. What about this? Do you need to ask Jesus into your heart? Uh -oh. You know, I really don't think he's going to fit. You know, I mean, phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty bitty face. <laughs> of course, I should see that coming. Um, how about this? You need to become a new creation. Cool. Hey, can I become a Chinese dragon? No, no, you cannot. Okay, try this. You need to be born again. Well, I don't think my mom is going to agree to that. <laughs> true, true. But, but you can't argue with this one. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? In line at Disney World. Oh, no, good. <laughs> yeah, that one could be right. Yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> hey, Dan, how come I can't just say something like, um, hey, 
God loves you even though you're a sinner. You need to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus and start living the good life. Well, I mean, I guess you could try something like that. Sure. Hey, Dale, I, I really appreciate this. I mean, you are such a good teacher. I've learned so much. But listen, I've got to go because I'm late for my opera lessons. Yeah. I'm impressed. It's kind of fun. And today, we're learning about the true masters of the opera, Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. I'll see you, buddy. Kill the wabbit. Kill the wabbit. See you, buddy. It has been quite an adventure. I love it. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. But y'all, there's something about personal evangelism that certainly makes you nervous. Uh, you know, it's interesting how the work of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ certainly, it makes people uncomfortable, it, it puts you on edge because you're not sure how other people are going to respond. Well, for us as a church and as a faith family, we're looking at different ways in which we can fulfill the mission that God has given to us. When we look at Jesus, before he ascended back up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God the Father, he left the great commission to his disciples, in which he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I will be with you even to the end of the age." This command of disciple-making is what Jesus left for his church. Well, for us as a church here at Westwood, we say it like this, that Westwood is about investing in people. That's what we're about as a church. We want to invest in people. The, 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 the great commission of disciple-making, it's a people-oriented focus. But that investment in people leads to something, that those people who are invested in will then go and impact their world for Jesus. The whole purpose of why we do this is for the glory of the one who shed his blood at the cross and rose again to give us new life. So for us as a church, we want to invest in people who will impact their world for Jesus. For the past four weeks, we've been going through a sermon series entitled For Impact, in which we've been looking at four different ways that we can have impact on our world for the sake of Christ. We saw the first week in John chapter 1 and the power of an invitation, that we want to create a culture here in our church of hospitality, of intentionally inviting people to come and be a part of our fellowship, to invite them to come and hear the gospel. In fact, the challenge that we place for all Westwood family members, everybody who's in our faith family, is the challenge is to invite four people every month out in the atrium. You'll see the four impact station that we're going to keep up all year long. And so for every person you invite to come and gather, you just drop a marble in that bucket. We're going to keep track of how many people we're seeking to invite into our fellowship. The next week, we talked about the power of memorizing the Word of God. We looked at Psalm 119 and how when the Scripture says that I have hidden your Word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. The challenge was is for every Westwood member to memorize four Bible verses per month. So for every scripture that you memorize as an individual, you drop one marble out in the jar. Just drop it in there. So throughout the year, we're going to see a gathering of scriptures that God's people are going to be hiding in their heart. How cool will it be in December to lay across the stage all the scriptures that we're going to see that we have all hidden in our hearts through scripture memory. Last week, we looked at the power of being financially faithful. 
Just being faithful with God, what God has entrusted to you. Now, nobody's dropping any marbles in the bucket out there, but because we're going to leave that for our financial department. But what we're challenging our church in 2018 is to go for four. As a church, we want to seek to give $4 million this year to the general budget so, so that we can advance mission. We can give more dollars to the nations to feed the hungry and to take care of those in our community and to retire debt as a faith family. And so we want to continue to play offense with the gospel. Well, today we're going to finish up with, I think, was probably one of the most important ones of all four, and that's the importance of sharing the gospel. There is power that takes place when God's people are intentionally, verbally sharing the good news with people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we get to John chapter 4, we see Jesus having a conversation with a woman and it changes the lives of an entire city. Let me show you. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. That's where we're going to be setting up camp this morning. In John chapter 4, Jesus' fame is growing. His ministry is gaining momentum. The Pharisees, which is the religious group of the day that were the antithesis of Jesus, they were working against Jesus, well, they identified that Jesus and his, Jesus' disciples were starting to baptize more people than John the Baptist and his disciples. And so Jesus sees this coming confrontation with the Pharisees, and so he decides to take his disciples on a road trip back to his hometown. And so he's on this road trip, but he has a purpose on not only where he's going, but why he's going there. We see a specific person he wants to impact. You see, as Christ followers, we get to join Jesus in his pursuit of bringing people into a right relationship with God. You see, God's heart is for all people to know him through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day so that anybody who turns away from their sin and trusts in Jesus by faith will be saved. You and I get to play a role in the process of leading people to faith in Jesus. Well, here we see in the text the, the power of initiating a gospel conversation. Well, Kenneth, how in the world do I initiate a conversation with someone about the gospel? Let me show you from the text three ways. The first is this. Number one, be intentional. You've got to be intentional. Look at verse 4. Speaking of Jesus, it said, he had to travel through Samaria. The King James says he must needs go through Samaria. We see Jesus here being intentional. He is crossing barriers in order to have a gospel conversation. We see here in the text that Jesus crossed a geographic barrier. Look at verse 5. The scripture says that, So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. What we see here is that Samaria is a land that is located directly north of Judea. So the obvious path that someone would take to get to Galilee, which is north of Samaria, is to go directly north. But the problem was Jews hated Samaritans. So instead of going directly from Judea through Samaria to get to Galilee, Jews would often cross over the Jordan River go up on the opposite side of Samaria of the river, then cross back over to go to where they want to get to in Galilee or beyond. 
It's kind of like going from Alabaster to Gardendale through Trustful because you don't want to go through Birmingham. That's what Jews were often doing. But here we see Jesus going directly north. He's going right through Samaria. He had to go to Samaria. He had a purpose. He had a mission. There was someone there who needed the gospel, and so he intentionally crosses a geographic barrier to engage someone with the gospel. He was willing to go to the bad part of town. He was willing to engage an outcast with the good news of who he is. So as Jesus is traveling north on I-65, he gets off at the sidecar exit, and he intentionally goes to engage a specific person. But it's not just any person. It's a woman. Look at verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a Samaritan woman? You see, Jewish men, especially teachers, rabbis, were not to have public conversations with women in public. In fact, even when the disciples get back from their lunch break in verse 27, they were shocked that Jesus was having a conversation with a woman. But not only is Jesus talking to a woman, he's also crossing some racial barriers. He's not only crossing geographic barriers, he's only crossing gender barriers, he's crossing racial barriers. Look at verse 9. It says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You see, Samaritans, genetically, they were half Jewish and half Gentile. They were half-breeds. Oftentimes, the Jews would call them rabid dogs because the Jews hated Samaritans. You can see that why when Jesus in Luke chapter 10 tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, he was intentionally offending the Jewish audience. Because those are the exact people that the Jews hated. But what we see here is Jesus intentionally crossing all kinds of barriers to initiate a conversation with someone about the kingdom. Y'all, there are people in your life who are far from God. There are people who do not know Jesus. And they're probably not going to step foot on this campus. But think of the power that can take place, the impact we can have as a faith family when you and I intentionally engage people with the gospel. When you and I step out of our comfort zones and we go tell people the good news of Jesus. And y'all, there is nothing better. When I was in college, I was, uh, my faith family back in Kentucky, we would go out into the community and share the gospel each Monday night. Well, one Monday night, we came back, and we were celebrating reports of what we saw God do, and there was this senior adult lady in her 80s, and she had just for the very first time in her life had led someone to Jesus, and she was so overwhelmed with joy. She said, y'all, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. This is so much better than getting high, <laughs> and we all were like, oh my goodness, did she just say that? I was like, okay, that's a good way to describe it. Okay, this is a good thing. But you see, guys, there's power when we share the gospel. God invites you and I in the process of leading people to faith in Jesus. 
We get to be a part of the process of redeeming people and driving them to the cross. But y'all, most conversations that we have will never get to the gospel unless we are intentional. Now, of all the spiritual disciplines, we can pray and read our Bibles and we can sing to the Lord in fellowship. Those are all good, right, godly, and true. However, the one we can quickly neglect is personal evangelism. Because this is the, one of the most difficult ones because we're now positioning ourselves in opposition to people whom we know and love. When you start preaching Jesus, you better watch people start getting offended. We like to be liked. We like to have friendships. We don't like to rock the boat. But here's the deal. If we don't intentionally engage people with the gospel, we cannot impact them for Jesus. If you want to impact your world for Jesus, you have to talk about Jesus. You have to be ready to intentionally engage people. Well, here is Jesus having a conversation with an immoral woman. A woman who has a reputation of going from man to man to man, husband to husband to husband. But here Jesus sees this woman as potential for reaching many. Isn't that interesting? But you've got to intentionally engage gospel conversations. Well, the second way to initiate gospel conversations is to point to Jesus in verse 10, Jesus uses water as a reference to himself. They're at Jacob's water well, and here's this woman. She's there. She's gathering water. She's, she's got her water jar. So Jesus, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was going to take the natural and swing it to the spiritual. Look at verse 10. It says, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you, watch this, living water. Sir, said the woman. You don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, and did his, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus, watch this, said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But Whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Here in the text, Jesus is using water as a means of pointing her to her greatest need, salvation. She needs Jesus. And so he's saying this water right here, it's not going to quench your ultimate thirst Ultimately, there is only living water that can satisfy you so you never get thirsty again. And this lady here, she's really digging this idea. You see, guys, when you're initiating gospel conversations, you must swing the topic from the natural to the spiritual. When I was headed out of town a few weeks ago, I stopped at a Zaxby's with a friend for a dinner. And as we're there, there was a couple of teenage boys hanging out. And they saw my UK shirt, and they said, hey, we like your shirt. And I'm like, hey, great, thanks. And so I just said, hey, where are you guys from? And they're like, we're from this area. Well, wh what do you guys do? We're, we're in high school. I'm like, oh, okay. What are your plans after high school? And they said, we'll probably go to college. I said, okay, what are you going to do after college? They said, we're probably going to get a job. Okay, great. What are you going to do after that? Uh, I guess we'll get married and have kids. Okay, great. What are you going to do after that? Well, I, I guess we're going to retire. I said, okay, well, what's going to be after that? 
And they said, well, we'll probably die. <laughs> and I said, what's after that? And they said, we don't know. And I said, do you mind if I tell you? You see, I, I then had the opportunity to share the gospel with these two teenage boys in Zaxby's just by driving. I took a natural conversation, just something that's very normal and common. I took the natural and I swung it to the spiritual. I want to get them thinking about eternal things. I think it's a, a Ecclesiastes says that uh, God has put eternity in the hearts of men. Everybody knows eternity is real. Everyone knows judgment's coming, but Romans 1, we suppress the truth. We don't want to think about it. And so, y'all, it's, in, in, it's vital that you and I intentionally be pointing people to Jesus. In your conversations, you want to drive people to Christ. Well, Kenneth, how can we do that? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I want to give you a tool on how to share the gospel. Now, I know many of you can't see the whiteboard from back there, and so we're going to try and put it up on the screen so you guys can see what I'm about to design here. But what I want to give to you is a tool. It's called Three Circles. It doesn't require a tremendous amount of memory. It doesn't take all this preparation time. It's just these simple tools that you can use. In fact, in your Westwood app, at the bottom of your sermon notes, there is a link to download an app. It's called Life on Mission. And it walks you through this right here, these three circles. And it has a video on it. It's just a great tool, and you can swipe through these three circles. But it's an evangelism tool. For some people, they prefer, prefer the faith method or the evangelism explosion or for spiritual loss. That's awesome. Use whatever you've got. Use a tool. But whatever you've got, use it. But let me give you one that's really, I think, quite simple. And here's the gospel that you could use in a conversation. So you're sitting out at a coffee house. You're talking with people. You're trying to swing the conversation to Jesus. You can pull out a napkin and a pen and, wa and walk them through this. And you can say, this is what it looks like. You see, the way it all began is with God's design. God designed the world good and right and sinless. I mean, it, all the world was right. And, but then God put in the garden a tree for Adam and Eve. And he said, do not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, at that point, they disobeyed God and sin entered into the world. Sin is what people do when they turn their hearts and lives away from Jesus. Well, because of sin, it leads to a serious problem. And we see it all throughout our world. It's called brokenness. The world around us is broken. We can see it all around us. We can see it in the people looking into different relationships. People look to drugs and alcohol to satisfy their lives. People turn to money to try and satisfy the deepest longings of their heart. But ultimately, those things don't satisfy. The things of this world, other religions, they don't ultimately fix the problem of brokenness. But there's good news. God has given us a way, and it's the gospel. The word gospel means good news. It's the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus. That when you put your faith and trust in him, that he died on the cross for your sin, and he was buried and rose again on the third day. That's the good news. And so if you would repent and believe upon Jesus, then it is then that you are entered into a relationship with God that lasts forever, eternal life. And when you believe the gospel, here's what God does. You now return back to God's original design. You now get to go after. You get to recover and pursue God's design for your life. See, what I just did there it was a two-minute gospel presentation, and it's easy. 
You don't have to memorize anything. There's not all these things you have to try and jot down and get them in the right order. It's just these three circles. It's a tool. This may not be your favorite tool, but it's a tool. And this app that you guys have through your Westwood app that you can download it, you can walk through it, and there's all kinds of great resources. But this is just a way of pointing to Jesus. This is what we want to do as a church, intentionally engaging people with the gospel, initiating gospel conversations. And the way that you and I do it is through preaching the gospel. We are pointing to Jesus. Let me show you the third way. The third way to initiate the gospel in conversations is to, number three, open your eyes to the harvest. Okay, watch what happens here in the text. This is, this is amazing. Okay, the woman at the water well, she leaves her water jar, verse 28, and she makes a beeline to Sychar. Isn't that interesting? The moment she believes upon Jesus, she has to go tell people. Don't miss that. And as soon as she gets to the town square, she gives a testimony and an invitation. I met a man who told me all that I ever did. Is this the Messiah? And that question is like a seed planted in the hearts of the people. They're like, oh my goodness, has has this woman who's sexually immoral, has she met the Messiah? Her question just beautifully stated. So verse 30, they leave town, they leave Sychar, and they started coming towards Jesus. Meanwhile, verse 31, the disciples start urging Jesus to eat something. Hey, it's been a long road trip. We've been traveling for a while. Jesus, you need something to eat. But Jesus says, verse 32, I have food you don't even know about. So verse 33, the disciples start wondering who brought Jesus Chick-fil-A. Where did this food come from he's talking about? But Jesus uses this as a teachable moment with his disciples. He's like, guys, let's huddle up, huddle up, get in here. I want to talk to you guys. Listen, boys, there's something that's far more important than food, and it is the work of the kingdom. He says, verse 35, look, I tell you, open your eyes and see that the fields are ready for harvest. They're white for harvest. What's Jesus talking about? Well, this entire town of Sychar is walking to the water well. And so Jesus says, guys, look. This is the priority of the Father. It's people. This is the harvest. This is what it's all about. It's about people. And so he sees this big crowd of people, probably with with head turbans, uh, cloth on their heads. And they're like white stalks walking to Jesus out at the well. And he says, guys, there's the harvest. That is what we're about. Open your eyes and look. I want you to hear me today. Uh, This week, when you're walking the hallways of your campus, as you're walking throughout the campus of your work, when you're sitting in traffic on I-65, I want you to stop and look. Look around you. There's people. This is the harvest. This is what Jesus is pointing his disciples to. This is the priority of the Father. This is what I came to do. I came to rescue. I came to redeem people. And so Jesus here is pointing to exactly what the disciples are to give their lives to. And y'all, as a church, this is exactly what God is calling us to give our lives to. We give our lives for people so that they might come to know Jesus 
And so here we see Jesus calling his disciples to go and have impact. Don't miss this. Westwood, we have a gospel to preach and a field to work. So let's go harvest. Let's go get people. Let's go share the gospel. Let's go into Alabaster and Pelham and Helena and Calera and throughout Shelby County, unashamed of the gospel, ready to share the good news. Because here's the deal, y'all. The moment you take your last breath, you can't share the gospel with lost people anymore. When you go to heaven to be with Christ, it's only saved people. And so right now, while you have life, this is your shot. This is your opportunity. While you still have air in your lungs, while you have a healthy body, be looking to initiate gospel conversations. And it's amazing to think about this. Because some people say, well, Kenneth, I don't, I don't know enough. What if they ask me something I don't know? Can I tell you how to answer that? I don't know. But I'll get an answer for you. But can I say to you? You know more about Jesus than this Samaritan woman in John 4. You know far more about Jesus. But what's amazing to me is this sexually immoral woman with five ex-husbands who's now cohabitating with her live-in boyfriend. Jesus turns her into the first century Billy Graham. Look at verse 39. It says, Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because, watch this, of what the woman had said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said, and they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this is, really is the Savior of the world. If you want your friends and family to know Christ, you've got to open your mouth and tell them. I remember what it was like to be lost. When I was 16 years old, I was in a car accident in which I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. My friends and I, we were headed off to the state championship football game for our high school team. Car accident, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. I hit my head on the dashboard. I should have died. And I didn't know Jesus. At the age of 18, I came to faith in Christ and then I began realizing all of these Christians I had throughout middle school and high school who never told me. They never shared the gospel with me. And if on that day I had taken my last breath, I would be in hell now and forever. But God, by his grace, has saved me. And now he has called me as your pastor to equip and train you and to mobilize and to motivate you. Let's go reach people for Jesus. Let's stay focused on the task before us. There are people that you go to work with who are in your home, who are in your neighborhood, who are about to the nations who don't know Christ. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will raise up workers. I am praying Luke 10 too. God, would you raise up laborers? Would you raise up workers who will go and take this gospel? That we're going to go grab that harvest. We're going to go reach people for Jesus. We're going to go knock on doors. We're going to engage people in conversations because we want people to know Jesus because apart from knowing Christ they spend eternity in hell and we have life we have opportunity don't waste your life on anything less than this this matters eternity is at stake do you see how vital it 
is that we be about the Great Commission. That we as a church, we can't get distracted by anything other than this. It's reaching people for Jesus. Hell is at stake. And so we are going to, with tears in our eyes, and we're going to fight from our knees, praying, but unashamedly talking to people about Jesus. Because when we go do that, it is then that we will have impact for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you join me? Would you join me and let's go take this gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. Out of the atrium, we have our impact station. For every person that you initiate a gospel conversation with, doesn't mean you're going to lead them to Jesus. In fact, you may face rejection. But I want us to celebrate just the initiation of the conversation. I want to invite you to drop one marble in that jar. Let's initiate a conversation. Whatever tool you use, whatever you've got, use it because we want to reach people for Jesus. Because that's who we are as a church. We've only got so much time left.